the American Express Shaping Insights podcast. Travel has become more important, but it's the emotional and the sort of life-affirming side of travel that is becoming more of a priority. I do think there's going to be more and more emphasis on travelling in ways that connects to private communities or like-minded communities. Hello and welcome to the Shaping Insights podcast presented by American Express, where we bring you expert perspectives on the latest trends in the luxury and travel industries. I'm Fiona McCarthy, London-based lifestyle design and travel writer, contributing to magazines and newspapers around the world, including The Times, The Telegraph, Elle Decoration and Vogue Living, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm speaking with Lucy Green, the forecaster, strategist and award-winning author who specialises in cultural trends, consumer insight and brand innovation. She has been profiled as a leading global futurist and works with the likes of Apple, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Unilever, NBC Universal, Nickelodeon and L'Oreal, among many others. In 2018, her debut book, Silicon States, The Power and Politics of Big Tech and What It Means for Our Future, was awarded the Porchlight Business Book Award in Current Events and Public Affairs. She has been featured as an expert on trends and consumer insights for the BBC, Fox News, CBS, CNBC, Financial Times and Bloomberg TV. Most recently, Lucy led J. Walter Thompson's Global Futures Think Tank and consultancy, JWT Intelligence. Today, Lucy will be offering insights into the future of the travel industry and what interesting shifts she's seeing across the landscape. So welcome, Lucy. It's so lovely to have you here with us today. Tell us, how are you and where are you in the world right now? Oh, thanks very much. I am currently in London. I'm back for the first time since 2018, but I I usually live in New York. How long are you going to be here before you go back to New York? I have one more week left and I've been here a month and it's been fabulous. But yes, I'm back to the West Village where I live on Sunday. So Lucy, tell me, what is a futurist and how did you become a futurist? That's a really good question. I started off actually in journalism and there's a lot of um, parallels between the sort of, I guess, the discipline. It's a sort of a social science. Essentially, you are looking at data points, looking at cultural trends, looking at consumer insight, and you're extrapolating or trying to identify patterns of change in their early stages and take into account the context of like bigger factors that are evolving and forecast how they might impact on how people shop or consume or what their priorities are, what their motivations are. Um, You get futurism in policy and people who look at economies. I look at it very much from a consumer point of view or like a people point of view. So what will be aspirational to them, what they'll want to buy, how they'll want to be spoken to. And I identify trends and help brands create um, strategies to um, navigate that. But how did you fall into forecasting? Uh, I know you've worked previously for the Future Laboratory and then you went to J. Walter Thompson. Has it stemmed simply from the things that you loved growing up or was it something you studied? My first job was at Women's Wear Daily as a fashion reporter and I very early on got excited or perhaps like frustrated at the same time where I was identifying trends and stories almost too early. Yeah. 
and seeing the connection also between trends in different sectors. So I would see something happening in beauty or in travel and think, oh, that's interesting. That's what trend forecasting is all about. You're sort of seeing patterns actually across multiple different um, frameworks. And I was always a huge fan of the Future Laboratory. Martin Raymond, who's a sort of renowned futurist, I managed to chat him up one day and said, like, can I come and learn the ropes, as it were? And um, that set me set me off. And what I really learned from Future Lab was sort of how trends in general link to visual culture and creative cultures. And then at J. Walter Thompson, what I really loved was integrating, let's say, data. It was such a luxury in retrospect. I was able to sort of say, oh, you know, it seems like teenagers have this really different attitude. Let's see if we can test that a little bit. And so we were one of the first agencies to have original data um, looking at specific behaviours around Gen Z and their attitudes to everything. So, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm a big believer in futurism as being art and science. So there is the sort of the instinctive part of it and there's the context part of it, having looked at trends for 15 to 20 years now. So for you, in terms of the travel industry, how are you feeling over particularly the last year what trends are emerging? What things have you been observing? Right. So, you know, when you look at the last decade, really, especially having been driven by millennial behaviours, um, now having babies and hitting middle age, so we've got the first millennials hitting middle age. Yes. This is the generation that marketers have been obsessed with and all, all lifestyle verticals have been obsessed with. And what's interesting is that experience culture has really been the sort of the altar at which they worship and sort of intertwined with well-being and intertwined with social media. It's become part of your personal brand. Um, so it's the sort of selfie by the pool in Bali, but also travel as a marker of professional success. And I think what's interesting since the last year is that that has slightly shifted. And I think there's a reckoning among millennials about um, ambition for one, and that's gonna radiate into this relentless sort of work summit culture of traveling for work. And I, I also think there's an emerging backlash towards, I guess what we would call disposable travel you know right travel has become more important but it's the emotional and the sort of life affirming side of travel that is becoming more of a priority so the zoom meeting has taken over those sorts of as you said the jet in jet out for the day type travel business meeting yeah but you were talking about the millennials and of they of course inspire older generations now don't they sure you talked about the sort of work ambition becoming much more important how will that affect the way they then travel for business because if it's not the jessing in and jessing out is it going to be also about the enrichment and cultural sort of experience that they have when they go somewhere and that will feed into the way they work or yeah I think it's going to be much more strategic with much more of a focus on well-being I mean well-being and travel have been sort of intertwined for a long time and so when you do travel, I think it is, there's going to be a lot more emphasis on, on balance and the kind of environments you spend your time in. And so we're already seeing in not only hotels, but office buildings, this idea of well-certified architecture. So uh, Deepak Chopra is a big advocate for this among sort of, he's got signed up JLo and various other celebs. Um, but really thinking about like, you know, in your, when you're in your hotel room, how to sort of detoxify it, how to detect it, right. um, how to design lighting to work with circadian rhythms, for example. And, and particularly, but this was happening before the pandemic, a lot more emphasis on wellness and also protecting yourself from aggressors. Uh, so what's the air purity like? What's the water quality like? Interiors and architecture that has health benefits. And the latest iteration of that we're seeing is 
actively having sort of services and also connected fitness built into environments. So being able to have a smart Lululemon mirror or the Peloton in your room, that will be the new, you know, if you were advertised for having like a rain shower, the new suites will come with a Peloton. But likewise, given that people are doing longer stays in sort of somewhat residential private um, villas and so on as well, um, more recently, having services and health baked into that. So will you, you know, do you advertise this villa that's private in Carbo with a meditation instructor and a green juice concierge and so on specifically for this residential building? When I think about resorts and what they might build in from a wellness point of view, I would definitely say more exposure to nature, more like take someone on a 50 mile hike like, I would pay for that. What about for hotels that are in big cities where perhaps you can't go for a 50k hike? Is it about immersion in the local environment, as you suggested? Is it about creating better connections with the cultural institutions around you, galleries, museums? Is it about um, giving the chance to somebody to have a painting class or to go and have a cooking lesson with a local restaurant that's famous for something in particular? I think there'll be more um, emphasis on doing stuff that gives you pleasure and that is an antidote to work. So maybe not working out the second you get somewhere, but also having sort of self-care in multiple different ways and like rooms being designed around self-care Maybe even zoning. Google have been experimenting with this idea of neuro aesthetics. So how can they use colour and texture, for example, to engender feelings of calm and serenity? And even the way that business hotel rooms are designed, where you have a desk and it's just there, you know, could you delineate that a little bit and like make the room more of a haven and workspaces separate? Yeah. So... I almost think like hotels as therapy yeah. <laughs> could be an interesting one and therapy that like enables you to be more efficient and so on. And I think that's interesting on the design element. Design in hotels has become almost the platform, the la- landmark sort of tool for everybody for their design at home. And then, of course, in the last year, they've all got home and realised that hotel design looks glamorous, but it doesn't work when you're at home 24-7. So do you feel that design will change a lot in hotels in that sense? It'll still be aspirational and inspirational, but also it might become a little bit more practical and a bit more functional? I think there's going to be much more of an emphasis on not only environmental quality, so we're seeing vegan interiors, for example, on the rise, but just inherent quality, like these are great sheets. It's just beautifully designed for actually the way that you need to live and and work and Mm. I think that sense of like classical design or just like like really um materials and finishes with integrity that just really work yeah really really important and it links very much into also the issue of sustainability which I know everyone has felt over the last year has been one of the key topics in every business how do you feel that sense of well-being also goes into the sense of sustainability yeah i mean to me wellness and sustainability are sort of symbiotic you know you look at vegan food for example vegan food is not 
just a food trend. It's not just a health trend. It's an environmentally led mm. food trend. So it's about a plant-based diet for ourselves and for the planet. Healthy um, air is to do with awareness about pollution as much as what it's doing to our own body. Same for microplastics in the water. Like mm-hmm. that is about our own hormonal health as well as what's happening with the planet. And so sustainability, it was really interesting. Pre the pandemic, uh, well, not only, I mean, there always used to be discussion as marketers about the he- behavioural gap, right, between sentiment around sustainability versus actual behavioural change. And for, the, for a long time, there was a particularly a lot of surveys of Gen Zs, teenagers, essentially, um, who uh, cared deeply about the environment, but they might, but they might still buy fast fashion, yeah. for example. And that was really starting to migrate into concrete behavioural change. So using refillables, bringing a bag, you know, choosing between brands, using a water-activated deodorant or a water-activated shampoo. We saw a host of new uh, brands on that front. During the pandemic, there was a little bit of a pullback from that as people just really retreated to what they knew they trusted. Right. But I do think the trends that we were seeing in travel specifically before the pandemic will um, re-emerge. Um, so this idea of slow travel, like catching a train, it's no accident that LVMH invested in um, Belmond, the sort yes. of predominantly train-based brand. You also have, you know, distributed travel. So don't just go to this one hotspot. How about you go to seven unheard of areas that are more interesting or trying to stagger the time and the bursts of, of activity in various hotspots. So so you talked a lot about Gen Z and millennials and how much they have redefined travelling. But I think that essence of what you mentioned about experience, even for the older, more established traveller, has become very important, hasn't it? In terms of, as you said, when they go somewhere, they really want to be immersed in the place they are. They don't actually really want to go, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, they want to go to a hotel that feels like a hotel they would go to in Hong Kong or a hotel that they would go into in New York. They want to be in a hotel that is Parisian or they want to be in a hotel that feels Venetian. Yes. How will that sort of morph and change in the future? So they want experiences and they want to travel intrepidly and have authentic experiences and certainly have the money to commit to these sort of life-changing expeditions and so on. I think a couple of things that we've seen more recently is this idea of, it's not just authenticity, but I think really looking at less obvious places. So um, even looking at home, so the sort of celebration of one's own place as a place that you could explore. I, I think it's really interesting you're seeing the rise of particularly in uh, well, in New York, but Copenhagen, we've seen as well all these amazing, quite ambitious pleasure garden projects, um, commissioning the likes of um, Thomas Heatherwick for Little Park in New York, which just opened and is just fabulous. In Copenhagen, the Copenhagen Islands, these islands that people can go and visit. Um, so sort of trying to really celebrate what is in the city and also give back to cities. Um, so encourage people to sort of discover that um, localism generally, so Airbnb have been talking about so not only the rise of travel with meaning and so travel motivation becoming about seeing your loved ones or having this very transformative experience, but also connecting to where you are. But that can increasingly be close to home. So that can be, you know, their average trip, I think they said, um, more recently has been 200 miles away and the average length of stay has been much longer. Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, talked about this I'd return to travel as we did in the 70s, where we'd go... I don't know, maybe, you know, I'm imagining dirty dancing in this, like driving up to camp for sort of six weeks and you really get to know 
the area. Yeah. So it's not just concepts that are sort of leaning into localism. We're looking at less obvious places that are closer to home and actually staying longer and getting to know the community as well. So it's not just, like, I guess, like a tokenistic, we work with local artists to do the art on the walls. Of a, It's actually about almost living somewhere. And I could see the next iteration of that being a total reinvention of the timeshare. Like that's one of the most, one of those models in travel that has sort of, has yet to be reinvented for um, the digital audience or, or the post-pandemic audience, let's say. Yeah. So that, that could be interesting to watch. So what does that mean in terms of customer service for travel companies? How do you think it's going to change? What are some of the themes, the trends you've seen emerging in the industry? What do you think people will expect? In recent times, just generally as it relates to brands, but also just to general consumer behaviour, there has been this shift towards broadcast in social media and influencer culture towards smaller circles, communities and micro communities. And I think smart brands are really starting to think about that as they engage their audiences. So they're starting to think of their fans as being part of their community and create customer service and content that makes them feel part of that. I think Soho House Group did a really good job of that during the pandemic, where they essentially created a sort of virtual club members space, right? Yes. Where you could see with cultural programming, events, or tune in even for a live cooking session or a dance-a-thon or a pub quiz with a celebrity, and you really felt like you were part of it. And I think that's the tone travel brands and travel services are trying to make people feel part of their brand and, and increase loyalty in that way. And so that's even sort of filtering into new models that we're seeing, this idea of, you know, like Chateau Marmont, for example, is becoming a members hotel where you need to be a part of it. And it's blending content with that. So you sort of, if you can't be staying there, you can sort of see content and get access to information and updates on what's happening. So you sort of feel like thoroughly immersed in the brand. And to that point, with both the Soho House Group and, for example, the family-owned Italian hotel group Il Pelicano, they've each extended their brands, haven't they, into homewares, clothing and accessories, things you can buy that if you can't be there, you can have them with you at home. Yes. So, for instance, with Il Pelicano's brand Isimo, it's a whole e-commerce site in itself, covering all the touch points of the hotel, bringing all that experience to you at your fingertips. Do you feel that's an important thing going forward? Yeah, because I think that has become almost the new status symbol, especially if it's like an insidery hotel that you sort of, you need to like, if you know, you know. I think extending into all these categories is a way of signalling that you know. So like Soho House, great, has done an amazing job of that, of just completely expanding into it's like an immersive sort of sales tool and you buy into it because you want to live that sort of lifestyle. But there are newer concepts like the Flamingo Estate in LA, which I think is really interesting. Yes. Um, it's an estate that grows all its produce on site and it, there's a bookstore and a, an art gallery, um, but it sells seeds as well. Like there's a really interesting product portfolio. You can buy art, you can buy books, you can buy scented candles, but you can also buy seeds and produce and olive oil. And it's got this amazing sourcing story and also local people can subscribe to it. That's another interesting thing um, on that front, just as an aside, I've seen restaurants do this a lot too. David Chang, for example, creating a Momofuku sauces for his restaurants. 
that you can buy, but also this idea of, again, circumnavigating the challenges of the pandemic by inviting people to subscribe and support you. So um, you can become a sort of advocate and supporter, almost like supporting your local restaurant is a sort of an act of benevolence. You're yeah. supporting, you know, you know, I have Cafe Clooney down the road from me in New York and I would definitely subscribe and buy merchandise from it. Yes. Um, Rescio, for example, I'm sure I'm not saying that in the correct Italian accent, um, in Umbria, have done a collaboration with a furniture designer and you can shop the furniture. All the wine and the oil grown on the estate, you can also buy amazing content, like beautiful storytelling content and cultural programming. So they've, again, created a sort of community around staying there, which I just think is really clever. How do you think customer experience will change or needs to change post-pandemic? I think people are going to have really long memories. And I, I do think there is this sense of not only people voting with their wallet, they see that as a strategic purchase, but wanting to feel almost like it's not quite like a cooperative but there is very much an intentional form of like the way people are engaging with brands aimed at, for example, celebrating or promoting black owned businesses. I think stars that were launched on social media, their fans feel very much part of why they succeeded. I think you're going to see that with restaurants and hospitality, people becoming sort of stakeholders in the future success of the businesses that they really like. And so when it comes to customer service, it will be about rewarding that in new ways. Do you give tokens? Do you allow people to buy shares? Do you do subscriptions? Do you give people insider access to new recipes that you're launching? Do you have a secret members room? I, I think it's all going to be a little bit more personal and collaborative going forward. Yes, yeah, so it becomes about creating a long-term focus, not just thinking about that immediate sale or purchase, but instead keeping that person with you for a long time, isn't it? And going forward. Yes, yes. So on that, with the airline industry, for example, how can they continue to build and retain customer loyalty through their e-commerce post-pandemic? All of the businesses that I have seen thrive, especially in very adversely affected sectors during this pandemic, they're ones that have given service even if they can't, as in like even if you can't fly with them, they've provided some kind of other service or created touch points. They've removed friction from necessary changes and changing circumstances also been hugely proactive with technological change and cleanliness. So in the same way, post 2008, where we saw ramped up security measures, I think we're going to see the similar shift become normalised and essential for people and airports when you're travelling. So we're already seeing, and this is also happening in retail, this emphasis on a contactless experience, one where you're not touching surfaces, either by messaging on apps or using sort of visual recognition. Visual recognition, I'm convinced, is going to replace going through passport control. More and more voice-activated systems, so you'll be able to speak to your screen instead of having to touch and wonder, what, apart from anything else, what grubby fingers from a toddler or whatever have been touching it. So moving with the times, and I think what the, the most innovative travel brands have also been thinking about channel in a really creative way. So, for example, messaging interesting uses of WhatsApp and chatbots, but we've moved beyond chatbots already, I think, but just like really using quick interactive messaging and personalization as a way to keep people informed and keep them aware of things. And again, allow them to sort of move through the airport experience without having to touch anything that everyone else has touched. <laughs> and what about the sort of rewards program in terms of in, in connection, say like with American Express, 
it sounds to me as if you're suggesting that a lot more collaboration with all big brands like that too may take people forward or is that not something you see happening? I, I think it could go two ways. I think you'll see increasingly rewards baked into the purpose of companies. So if there is a genuine prioritization of inclusive business ownership, for example, um, you will be able to donate with your points or support with your points um, investment in, I think, interesting new businesses that you think are, are, are cool. I think all of these membership benefits were very much tied up to frequent travel. So at the very least, I think there's going to be a refocusing on one thing that is amazing at the end of the year or like the bonus or, or whatever, as opposed to the sort of incremental discounts. Yeah. And making like returning the sort of pleasure um if you're going to travel three times a year for work to that one conference or if you're going to travel three times a year for that one trip to see your family i think the emphasis is going to be on making that really special as opposed to getting a discount on your like your data when you arrive at the other side or like getting to the front of the line at the marriott i really don't think that's going to be motivational thing anymore so should the hotel and travel industries be targeting different generations of travellers, for instance? Is it sensible to aim at the 20-somethings in a different way that you might those who are in their 40s or their 60s? Or actually, will it become a tribal thing where it doesn't really matter what your age is, it's about what you're interested in? One thing that I'm seeing across all categories is that Generation Z or Z, um, the value systems are starting to impact all value systems, multi-generational value systems. After the pandemic, it's the reason why Gen Xers are on TikTok. It's because their teenage kids have been on TikTok and they've learnt dances, right? right? So the value system of Gen Z, a Gen Z, is really starting to impact multiple different categories. And broadly speaking, that is environmental responsibility as table stakes, radical inclusivity and transparency, yeah, being transparent, like you've got to walk the talk because they are, let me tell you, the most sort of critical generation today. Right. So I would say what that means to travel is, I think just generally being proactively ethical, responsible, embracing new formats ahead. And we're looking to brands to not only, and I think this has shifted particularly in sustainability, but just generally, we're looking at brands to be less reactive and more to build the future. So in sustainability, I think this is just a really good case in point. It's moved from doing less bad to let's like proactively create a new material. Let's be Stella McCartney and collaborate with Silicon Valley company Bolt Threads to create a new vegan leather. Um, let's be Adidas and create a shoe that's made from ocean plastic. Let's have a moonshot. Um, the emphasis more and more will be on on bravery. What, who do you feel are the creative leaders in the travel industry at the moment? What do you think they've done to be, be considered a great creative leader? Maybe I'm biased because I'm British, but I thought that Claridge's really, and the Mayborn Group, let's say, did a really ama amazing job of adapting to the pandemic in a really creative way. The knock-on effect with that was, was to really build in storytelling about what makes that hotel special and why people love it. And they would, they would do stuff because they didn't need to, but because they wanted to, they'd still have live music broadcast over Instagram live. They'd have delivery breakfasts and delivery pastries. 
and so on. They've done pop-ups now for the outdoors. I've seen their beach huts. I just think they've been super creative. And I think it's actually made fans of that brand really loyal. So I thought that was really good. And hotels that found something really specific and unique about what they did and told stories and brought that to life and sort of inspired people to return as soon as they could, I thought were really cool. Like, so Cedric Grolet is the chef at the, um, the Maurice in Paris. And again, you saw these amazing, sort of quite addictive, I must say, videos of him creating these pastries from scratch. And Hotel Essencia in Mexico as well did a really great job of sort of just basically want to make, like, I, I, I imagine there were several people who were sort of hovering over the book flights button the second that they opened because they, again, it was, it was storytelling, but conversing with their community and bringing to life everything that is special and unique about their resort. I think that community element is very important. You cited Claridge's, the Mabel group, which is Claridge's, Connaught and Barclay. Yes. And they, they fed the police force and the emergency services and they housed the NHS. Equally, Daniel Holm in New York, obviously, they fed millions and millions and millions of people right through the whole pandemic. And I think that essence of giving something more is so important Who do you think perhaps, can you cite creative leaders that have done a great job? So to me, when I think about the future of malls and retail and hospitality as it sits within that, I think it is more returning to a sense of localism and not necessarily a completely controlled environment to working with buildings and things that pre-existed. Just on a a US note, I mean, the brand Equinox. Yes. They are very interesting in terms of positioning themselves as as leaders in in wellness as thought leadership so they've done really interesting experiments with this idea of mental health and exercise for example so they created this um, concept called into the wild which is done in its sort of trademark sort of very sexy hyperbolic um marketing but basically um, doing outside community exercise yeah and i thought that was again just a really um ingenious way to sort of like the language into the wild taps into a lot of I think cultural shifts that we're seeing like this emphasis on the adventure and nature and the outdoors as being good for us but also creating something that like would fit very much with what like our anxieties apart from anything else now. So bringing it all together Lucy what do you think the future of travel and hotels looks like and actually what's exciting you the most? Yeah, I do think there's going to be more and more emphasis on travelling in ways that connects to private communities or like-minded communities. Right. Increasingly, um, you'll see hotel brands really focus on engendering that kind of connection and like meeting new people and creating a community around what they do. I also think we're going to see more and more blurring between... I guess what you would say like domestic spaces, like I think just the way we live and work in general is going to become a bit more nomadic. We're seeing almost countries start to position themselves as brands trying to like uh, welcome you to go and work remotely there and where you earn your income being very different from where you actually live. And so the impact on travel, I think you'll see is you'll see these longer stints of like going for six months to Bali with your family where you work remotely and you completely embed in the local community and you're, so you're, almost living in a sort of service residence. I think we're going to see a lot more models that riff on the idea of timeshare or like part ownership or, you know, whatever. Um, 
with hotel and community services built in and co-working spaces built in, there's, there's early examples of that. I think the potato head in Bali is actually on the subject of Bali. Um, there's a new property there, which was very much centered on being a sort of artistic community. And certainly in my peer group, I can say that I, I have at least six friends who have been lucky enough to be in the position to basically be living very much like that. So do six months somewhere and then move six months somewhere. And which has, I think, hospitality implications. So what is an investment property? What is a hotel? Like, I think it's going to blend more with this idea of um, home environment and with social spaces and stuff where you could actually live for a while as opposed to being in this sort of hotel room where everything is super compact. That's going to go all but for the sort of the very transitory business travel that might remain. Lucy, we have absolutely loved having you here today and hearing about all your expertise and your insights on the Shaping Insights podcast. It really has been fascinating listening to all those points of view on the industry, what trends are emerging and what lies ahead. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. We very much hope you enjoyed this Shaping Insights podcast presented by American Express. Don't do business without it.